Genesis chapter 8, please. We concluded chapter 7 last week, and we just kind of dipped into the beginning of chapter 8. I always encourage you to go back and listen if you missed it. For last week's message, I really want you to. Every now and then there's a sermon that I really feel that all should hear. That was one of them. And you'll have to listen, though, from our podcast or our website because the live stream malfunctioned. If you're going through a storm in your life right now, you need to, you need to listen. The, the fact is, whether you're in a storm or not right now, prepare because one is on its way. At some point, your world will be turned upside down. We're now at the place where all have been destroyed who are on the outside of the ark. God unleashed His wrath upon an ungodly world. God brought a global flood and God's divine justice was fulfilled through the destruction of sinners who had rejected Him and His free gift of deliverance. Isaiah 124 says, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, I will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies. The day of God's wrath upon this earth is on its way once again. God will once again do away with His enemies. And if you're not in the ark of Christ this morning, you will be destroyed by God. Hebrews 2.3 asks, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Our only hope is to be found in Christ. Simply receive Him and His free gift of deliverance through His blood and you'll be safely sealed into the ark of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll live with God for all eternity. Amen. Amen. Well, we left off with Noah and his family and all the animals on board the ark. They're riding out this storm. And you may recall at the end of chapter 7, they are only five months in. This will end up being a little over a year cooped up on this ark. And as we enter chapter 8, we find that the first five months was the period when God had the waters prevail upon the face of the earth. They kept increasing. And now it's time for the waters to begin to recede. Let's just read verses 1 through 5. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. and The rain from heaven was restrained. The waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. The ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. The waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. We're five months in. We have this interesting statement as we open chapter 8. And God remembered Noah. If God is all-knowing, and He is, if God is all-knowing, then what are we to make of this statement? Most chalk it up to what's called an anthropomorphism. 
<laughs> come on. That's like six syllables. Give it to me. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's apparently, I had to look all this up, that's apparently when you take human traits and you attribute them to non-human entities in order that we might understand. Some see this as being stated from Noah's point of view. Noah now realizes God has remembered him. After five months, he may have felt forgotten by God in the ark. And maybe he had a Job-like experience. Job 14, 13. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. Perhaps as the appointed time for the waters begin their retreat now, we, we, we can maybe assume... Noah is sensing God is now returning, remembering them upon the ark, and therefore we have this expression, and God remembered Noah. I welcome those approaches, but I do not think that's the primary interpretation because the word remember can be used in different ways. We most often use it to describe how we recollected something that we forgot about. But even today, the word remember is not always used in that sense. It doesn't have to mean that we've forgotten someone. For example, you can find cards that read something to this effect, remembering you on your special day. That, that doesn't mean you forgot them. It has the opposite meaning, right? It means you haven't forgot them. When we read that God remembered Noah, it's really a statement to show God had never forgot. In fact, this Hebrew word for remember is from a root which signifies something marked, stamped, it printed. This is, this is saying that Noah and those on the ark were imprinted on God's mind. He had never lost track. He had never forgot them. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16, Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. So when God remembers, because you're going to find this throughout the Bible, when God remembers, it's a statement that God is on the move. Keep that in mind. God is about to do something when the Bible says he remembers. It's a turning point with God. We, we find this throughout the Bible in Genesis 19.29. God is going to remember Abraham in destroying Sodom and Gomorrah because of Abraham and Lot. And God remembered Abraham and the city where he dwelt, or Lot in the city where he dwelt. In Genesis 30 and verse 22, God remembered Rachel. And then he opened her womb. God remembered there was an action. In 1 Samuel 1.19, God remembered Hannah. Then she conceived. In Exodus 2.24, God heard the groanings of the children of Israel in Egyptian bondage, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And then God brought deliverance. In Luke 1.54, God remembered Israel in bringing the Messiah into the world. You with me on what I'm trying to say here? God remembers, He makes a move, something's about to happen. 
In Revelation 18.5, God will remember the iniquities of the mother of harlots. And then God will reward her double according to her works. There's a lot of examples, but the point is when God remembers, He's on the move. So when God remembered Noah, He never forgot about Noah, but rather Noah was on God's mind all along. Aren't you glad? And we see that God even takes note of the animals on the ark. How much more would God be taking note of man? Luke 12, 6 and 7, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. If God's taking note of the beast, He's taking note of Noah and his family. So he never forgot Noah, but God is about to move on their behalf. Habakkuk 3.2, the request is made for the Lord to remember mercy in wrath. And that's what's happening here in our text. God's wrath is being poured out, and God is at a merciful turning point here in Genesis 8.1. And why is this so? Well, I believe it has something to do with the fact that God said in Genesis 6.18, My covenant will I establish with thee, speaking to Noah. God has to fulfill His word. God promised in Genesis 3.15, there's a a promise seed on the way. He's going to crush the head of Satan. And so God has to fulfill that promise because God cannot lie. Amen? Amen. And so God has to preserve Noah alive. Because God's going to bring the Messiah into the world and God's going to bring it through Noah and then through Abraham and ultimately through David. Therefore, just as surely as God told Noah in chapter 6, thou shalt come into the ark, God also has to bring them out. God cannot, God will not forget nor break His covenants. That ought to give you comfort, amen? Amen. Because if you're in Christ this morning, you're in what's called the New Covenant. It's the same as the New Testament. It's the same word. Use it interchangeably. You have entered into the New Covenant with God. We are secure in the palm of His hand. Hey, in fact, we're double secure. You know what Jesus said? You're in my hand, and you're in the Father's hand. (laughs) You ain't getting out of that. All right, well, I'd take a lap if we were in Georgia. God cannot forget us. He can't. God is going to bring us through to the other side because He cannot forget His covenant. He always fulfills them. In our text, God remembers Noah. God is on the move. God is at a turning point. God is going to show them mercy in His wrath. Now, they're not experiencing His wrath, understand that. As children of God, we're not appointed unto God's wrath. They're they're safe, they're secure. But but they are surrounded by God's wrath. And God is going to show some mercy. After five months of the waters prevailing upon the earth, and God's purpose is being fulfilled, He's now going to cause the waters to recede. And we see this turning point in the second half of verse 1 through verse 3. Look at what it says. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. 
And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. Now, it's generally understood, and I'm, I'm in the camp that believes the flood caused great climate changes. <laughs> and you know I'm fighting it right there. Amen. Wait till we get to verse 22. It's on. But I'll save it. Amen. I'll pump the brakes. I'll be cool. I said that to say this is the first time that the word wind shows up in our Bible. Something's changing. The Hebrew word for wind is the same for spirit. I'm telling you that there may be more than meets the eye with this statement. I don't know. But God brings this wind, and it's the same as what we read in Genesis 1-2 where it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we find a connection with the Spirit of God and wind and breath in the Bible. In the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37, the wind is said to breathe and God says, He shall put His Spirit in you. In John 3, Jesus describes the work of the Spirit as the wind blowing where it wills. In John 20, 22, Jesus breathed on His disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. In Acts 2, they heard a sound as of a rushing mighty wind and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm not sure how much to make of all of this yet, but it's interesting how in the beginning the Spirit of God moved upon a watery earth as God was creating things. And, and here as God is beginning to make things new, if you will. The, the same Hebrew word is used again to describe wind that God is causing to pass over a watery earth again. At the end of verse 1, we see the wind caused the waters to assuage, which means the waters settled down. They abated. To me, when I read that, it almost seems contradictory. Because we're, we often associate wind with kicking up the waves. Isn't that right? We, we see it as being a kind of a, a storm situation. And, and God, He brings this wind, but the, the water settles down. I believe that this wind that God brings upon the earth, it's, a, it's not a violent wind. This, what God is doing here, I believe, is a refreshing wind. Let's put it this way. This is a merciful wind. You with me? God's at a turning point. He's showing mercy. and He remembered Noah. And He turns things here and He brings this merciful wind. He's not being violent. It's not being stormy. His wrath has been fulfilled. The purposes of it. And so... God is being merciful in bringing this wind to Noah and all those upon the ark. And God is being merciful in bringing it to Noah. Why? Because they're on His mind at all times. He didn't forget. They're on His mind. God is being good. Thank God for His goodness. Listen, God in in His goodness, He's now working to bring about the end of this flood. The end of this storm. Now, one thing's for certain. God controls it all. Isn't that right? He he controls the winds. He controls the waters. He controls all the forces of nature. Proverbs 30 and verse 4 speaks of God's power by asking, Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? You try to do that. 
Who hath bound waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? Psalm 135, verses 6 and 7, Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all the deep places. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of His treasuries. We know something about wind in South Dakota, amen? We must be treasured by God. God uses nature to fulfill His Word, according to Psalm 148.8. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling His Word. And just a side note, when Jesus stood up and He rebuked the winds and the waves, at that moment, had they understood this, they would have understood, that's God. That Jesus was God in the flesh. Only God can command nature. We got people trying to do that. Let's seed some clouds. Listen, God, He he controls all that. Man can't. And when Jesus stood up and He said, Peace be still. Remember how amazed the disciples were? What manner of man is this? Even the winds... And waves obey Him. Yeah, you got that right. Not only did God bring a wind over the earth to assuage the waters, but we see in verse 2 that God stopped the fountains of the deep. He stopped the windows of heaven. He restrained the wind. Or excuse me, He restrained the rain. And this was the reversal of all that God did when He caused the flood to begin. We're at a turning point. Genesis 7, verses 11 and 12. The same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, And the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And so God here is now doing the opposite. The fountains of the deep were those subterranean reservoirs, caverns of water that God shot forth at His command out of the earth, and now they're stopped at God's command. It makes sense to me that when God is stopping them, those waters are going to begin to make their way back into those caverns, and we're drinking that water today. Amen. We've got the aquifers, and we're pumping all that water out. Thank God for it. The windows of heaven were stopped. I've mentioned before, I, you'll have to go back and listen to get all this, but if you haven't been here through this, I've mentioned before, I believe this has something to do with a watery canopy that would have surrounded the, the earth at that time. And, and then we see that God restrained the rain from heaven. We know there was an initial period of 40 days and 40 nights of continuous rain. It seems to me the way this is worded that it would suggest that there was some more rain that fell, but that it wasn't necessarily in this continuous 40-day, 40-night period as it was at first. And remember, the earth is undergoing atmospheric changes. And now after 150 days, the rain is restrained. It is being held back. Because of the wind, the fountains of the deep, the windows of heaven being stopped, the rains being restrained, we read in verse 3, the waters returned from off the earth continually. And at the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. Now this does not mean that it was an additional five months for the waters to abate, but this means after the initial 150 days of intense flooding, the waters are no longer prevailing on the earth and it is now beginning to recede. So we have this storm, it's raised for five months. The waters prevailed for five months. God brought a merciful wind. 
the, the flood waters began to recede. It's still going to take seven months. A little over. Seven months. This is the storm of a lifetime. People talk about the, you know, 500-year storm, 100-year storm. This is once in a world storm. Once every 6,000 years. This is it. And it's going to take another seven months for them to completely ride this thing out and disembark that ark. We have no way of knowing if Noah knew after 150 days that the floodwaters began to recede. Are you with me? Put yourself with Noah on the ark, and here they are, and surely they can tell something's changing. God has brought a wind. The waters are decreasing, but I don't think he knows that. I wouldn't necessarily know what depth I'm in on a floating barge unless I had a depth finder, right? I don't think he had that. Maybe he did, but I don't think he did. I don't think he knew the waters were receding until the ark rested. Because we read, even after the ark rested, it was after that that they started to see the tops of the mountains. And so, that, that's still another two months and 17 days away. God, Noah understands the rains have been restrained. He, he would have been aware of that. He would have probably picked up on this wind that God, God is causing to pass over the earth. I think he would have known the conditions outside were changing. What else are you going to do? Count the stripes on the zebra again. I, I think he would have been aware of this. But understand this. Listen to me, child of God. Nothing changed for them. Do you hear me? For five months, this storm raged. And now this wind has come. The waters are calming down. The rain's restrained. They're still in that ark. They're not getting out. In their minds, they don't know that it's receding yet. They're in this storm and they don't know that it's coming to an end. And yet God is being merciful to them and they, they may not even know it yet. They're still adrift. All they see is water. For those that would go up and look, I guess. I hope you're not growing tired of me talking about storms. But the text demands it. I believe there are some valuable lessons we can draw out of this. I want to stay on this theme just a little bit longer today. God can bring storms into our life any way He pleases. Let's understand this morning God is sovereign. And, and sometimes a storm that God brings into our life, it all happens very abruptly. It, it may come out of nowhere. And just as quick as it came in, it might go out. Sometimes everything happens gradually. God starts to bring a storm in your life and things just progressively seem to get worse. Amen. And then you think, I hope this is coming to an end and it just gradually goes away. Sometimes, and I would say often, it's a combination of the two. I think often a storm comes in very abruptly, but then it goes out gradually. Storms of life, are you with me? Notice in verse 3 it says, And the waters return from off the earth continually. 
You can glance down there at uh, verse 5. The, the ark comes to rest. We see again, and the waters decreased continually. You get the idea this is a slow process. This is taking some time. And I'm sure it was a lot slower actually going through it than reading it in two seconds. Right? You know what I'm talking about? It's always tougher when you're the one going through it. I, I think of our military families who have to endure a remote uh, deployment, even a TDY. We see the military members show back up and we think, that went by fast. Not for that spouse at home. Amen. It's almost insulting, I think. We, we say it, we don't really think about what we're saying. No, it was six long months or it was 12 long months or whatever the time was. And, and yet, here, here that poor spouse is holding down the fort with six kids. Where's hubby? Oh, he's off in Turkey. Yes, I'm picking on the Alaska Reigns. I'm yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. Hey, that went by fast. John's back already. Sarah's probably like, no, it didn't go by fast. I set up this house. I bought you a truck. I, I took care of everything you should have been doing. Okay, I'm just kidding, John. <laughs> you know, many times getting through a storm takes time. It's often a gradual process. The storm was technically over in Noah's day. It, it had already fulfilled its purpose. The impact uh, is still there, but the storm is over. And what we see here is that the effects of a storm can be long-lasting. The actual storm itself is shorter in duration than the removal and getting out of the ark was. The death of a loved one is this way. Death may come upon someone suddenly. It may happen as a slow process, but the impact, of losing someone in your life, it, it lingers. It's always there to some degree. The pain may gradually decrease over time, but there's those moments in life that trigger a memory. Maybe it's a date on the calendar, and, and once again, you feel the impact of that storm that you went through. As I prepared for this message, I kept pondering, why this gradual decrease? Why so slow? In creation, God instantly, He brought up the dry land out of the waters. And it was so, amen. He said it and it happened. God could have just as easily caused this watery earth at this point, all the waters on it to retreat and the land be dried instantly. Nothing's too hard for God. So what are we to learn from this? One thing we need to realize while we're going through our storms is while there may be times when it seems like God has forgotten us, He hasn't. He remembered Noah. He never forgot. It was always on His mind. And when we go through storms, and especially as the effects are still lasting and it's a gradual decrease, sometimes we're tempted to think, where's God? Have you forgot about me? God never forgets. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, 
to give you an expected end. 1 Samuel 12, 22, For the Lord will not forsake His people. Not because you're great, but listen to what it says. The Lord will not forget His people for His great name's sake. Because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. Isaiah 41, 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. If you're a child of God this morning, I want you to take comfort. God cannot forsake His saints. God will never leave us nor forsake us. God will never forget about you. He brings us the storms. He is with us in the storms of life. And then He brings us through the storms. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.17, our light affliction. We think it's heavy. We think it's hard. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Another thing we need to be assured of through the storms is even when it seems like God isn't working, He is. They may not have understood the waters were receding, but God was at work. We may not always appreciate God's timing because we like instant results. My wife's got something called an Instapot. I don't know how instant it is, but you get the idea. Probably all of you had those things. I wish I would have invented it. All right. We, we want instant results. Don't lose hope. God is at work. And listen, you may not always like the outcome, but God is at work in your life. Isaiah 28, 29 says, The Lord is excellent in working. Psalm 40 and verse 5, Many, O Lord, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. We also need to understand that while we're in a storm, we may not know what God is up to in that moment. Then we need to be slow to speak and quick to hear. We heard about that this morning from a friend's perspective. But we as individuals need to be careful as well. I'm sure, hey, I'm sure it got old being on that ark. Remember last week, this smells like a petting zoo. Probably worse. I'm sure, I'm sure they were ready to get off of this thing. They may have even began to wonder why they had to remain on the ark so long. God had already fulfilled His purpose. Why are they still on there? And even after the ark rested, it would still be several more months of sitting there until they got off of the ark. Now, I don't know all the reasons God made it last that long. I have some speculations. I don't think those thoughts are going to profit you. Let's just agree that God had a reason. Now, I'll caution you. Listen to me if you're going through a storm. I'll caution you. Be careful when you don't know all the reasons. As the effect of the storms lingers, we can become tempted to murmur and complain when we ought to be listening for God. And finally, always understand that God is never in a hurry. He doesn't work on your timetable. Be nice if He did sometimes, in our minds. God's not in a hurry. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. 
and, and here they are on the ark and they have to trust God knows best. They have to trust that His ways are perfect. We have to learn the same thing. As Matthew Henry noted, God usually works deliverance for His people gradually that the day of small things may not be despised, nor the day of great things despaired of. Proverbs 4.18, But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. You see, it's a process we all go through. Isaiah 28.10, For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. It's a gradual process. Exodus 23, verses 29 and 30, God said of those inhabitants in the land, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land be desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little, I will drive them out before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Listen, please don't grow impatient through the storms, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire, wanting nothing. Don't take matters into your own hands, but let God work all things together for your good. God has a purpose. I'll close with this thought from the family Bible notes. However great or long continued the trials of God's people, He never forgets them. Nor does He continue those trials any longer than will promote His glory and their highest good. Let them place implicit confidence in Him. In due time, all His promises will be fully accomplished. Amen and amen. Just remember this morning, we are not forgotten by God. God is always at work. We may not understand all that He's up to, and we need to just settle it in our hearts that His timing will be best. Don't give up through the storm, but stay faithful and in tune with God. He knows what's best for you. Let's pray.